it's ringing, it's ringing. That call is being recorded. Hello, is this Minister Sherry Livingston? Yes, Pastor Sherry Livingston. Pastor Sherry Livingston, this is Jeff Dominic from Bullet and Flight Radio. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. And you? Excellent, excellent. Highly favored and very blessed and happy to be talking to you, a living legend of gospel music. (laughs) Oh, wow. Thank you so very much. I appreciate the compliment. Well, all of our listeners who are listening in today have already heard just a little bit about you for those that have been living under a rock for the past few decades who haven't heard of you. They have just heard a little bit about your ministry, and uh, I know that they're very excited to talk to you today. And everyone, please stay tuned. Right after this interview, we're going to play some of Pastor Livingston's uh, songs, some of the songs that she led down through the years with Orlando Trayburn. I appreciate your support. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. So do you have time for a few questions? Certainly, certainly. I'm honored to be talking to you today. (laughs) Excellent. So tell us how you first got involved in the music ministry. (laughs) Well, honestly, it's a funny story. I was about in the second grade. <laughs> My sister, who was three years older than me, Brenda Livingston Eccles, you may know her from the associate. She's the one that leads the song, Lord, I Love You. Right. Well, she was already singing. She was uh, three years ahead of me, already singing, singing in church and what have you. And I knew I could sing, but my mother didn't. And, you know, back in the day at musicals, they used to allow you to send requests if you wanted someone to sing. Well, I wrote requests for myself to sing a solo. (laughs) And my mother was so angry because she didn't know I could sing. So when the lady stood up, the MC said, we have a special request for little Miss Sherry Livingston to sing a solo. My mama looked at me. And the lady said, she sent a request for herself to sing a solo. Now, see, she wasn't Ooh. supposed to part. You know, they don't usually tell who sent the request. No. And my mother was so mad. She said, I'm going to whip your tail. I mean, she was just going off. And when I got up there to sing and the church went up, then she started crying and wanted to get happy. My grandmama snatched her right back down. said, no, sit down. Remember <laughs> So that's how that went. And so that was my foray into singing. And from there, I started singing literally in the second grade in elementary school at the school plays and what have you. And by the time I was in junior high school, of course, I was majoring in music. I was blessed to attend Overton, the School of of Creative and Performing Arts here in Memphis. And so, of course, that was a great, great, great training ground for me and a Happened, you know, I've been in the church choir all of my life, the youth choir, and at that point, the adult choir. My sister was the director trainer at that time. She resigned okay. unbeknownst to anybody all of a sudden. The same year I started Overton, and I was uh, selected to be the director trainer of the choir, and I had just started my formal training myself. And that's really wow. how it started. 
And when I went off to college, literally my first year, I don't know if you're familiar because I don't know how old you are, of James DeWitt Johnson and the Johnson Ensemble back in the day. The guy that put out the song Touch, I've Been Touched, was very popular back in the day. It's probably before your time. He was on Savoy Records. And my first year in um, sister and I. So you know it was a long time ago if it was Savoy Records, okay? Yes, My yes, sister that, that was a good time. Yeah, we were asked to be a part of. So everyone, unfortunately, there was a little bit of technical difficulties. So if you hear a little glitch in the interview, understand that we understand what was going on, and um, we are here to finish the flow of the first question which was, uh, how did you get into the music ministry? And so we were at the part where your sister had abruptly retired as a director. Yes, Uh, and I was voted as the director trainer of our church choir, and the church choir was literally, notably, one of the best, if not the best in the city. Now, mind you me, I just started at the School of Creative and Performing Arts myself, but God bless, and that's how it started. And shortly thereafter, my first year in college, to you, James DeWitt Johnson of the Johnson Ensemble, the guy that put out, it was a number one in that day. This was around the 80s, early first 80s. Uh, touched, I've Been Touched, yeah. and uh, recorded our first professional recording with him. And uh, that's where I did my first lead on a professional recording with James DeWitt Johnson and the Johnson Ensemble. Wow, wow. That is so amazing. You're taking me back to the early 80s. I was in elementary oh. school in the early 80s. See, that's why I said you may not school. know where. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was in Detroit at that time, and I, was, I come from a very musical uh, family. Okay. Uh, so I was deeply exposed to a lot of good stuff. So that is so interesting. And you know what it it, it reminds me of, and everyone who's listening and just tuning in, please know that I am interviewing Pastor Sherry Livingston, one of the lead singers, legendary singers of the Orlando Draper and Associates, that wonderful choir that rose to success and became a household name in the 80s and 90s and so on. And so this, for me, is just a special treat. So if you're tuning in, you, you, you have tuned in at the right time. Just wanted to say that. And also, I wanted to comment about <laughs> the story that you told about oh, uh, putting yourself up to sing. You so know, the you Bible really also says that, huh? <laughs> that your gift will make room for you, right? Your gift will make room uh-huh. for you and train up a child in the way that they should go. God put something in you. That's what I want to say. The boldness. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can call it that. <laughs> I love it. And, and listen, young folks, you're listening in, and you know you can sing, and others may not believe in your gift and know you're gifted. You have to believe in yourself. That's right. That's right. And that's that's a beautiful lesson. So let me ask that's- you. What instruments do you play? Or if you don't play any instruments, do you have any secret talents you want to share with us? Well, let, let's be clear. You would not call what I do on the piano playing, okay? <laughs> However, 
I can, you know, pick a very little. I would never do it in public, okay? Uh, but now, I've, I've really been blessed. Let me just be very honest with you. I've been blessed. I love to sing. I believe singing was my first gift. Well, no, my mom said talking was the first gift that was revealed. Because as you know, uh, yes, I, I'm a vision coach. Uh, one area of ministry that is extremely important to me and that I'm called to is deliverance ministry. So just this year, I've launched what God named Deliverance is Delivered. It's a ministry of deliverance counseling. Now, when he brought it up, I was thinking deliverance counseling. I just never quite heard it like that. But that is exactly what it is. And, uh, of course, I'm a pastor, And but I cook. I have a gourmet double egg oh. business. I am a holiday decor specialist. I have a holiday decor business called Over the Top Creations. The whole point is any decor piece that you get in a small form, you you should be able to get the filling of that same item in, like, for instance, 10 times over. I'll do many trees, two and three feet, and the goal is to get the effect of a 10-foot tree at minimum from the tree once it's done. And I have uh, a... uh, what is it called? Uh, Divine Designs. It's my floral silk arrangement business. And uh, I am currently writing books, actually plan to put one out within the next month, my first one out within the next uh, month or so. It's entitled Prison Break. It is a book on deliverance. Wow. Wow. Wee, wow, wee. Ooh, the the yes. cooking always gets me hungry. That whets my appetite, especially with anyone in the South. It's talking about fingers, <laughs> well, it just yeah. automatically. I'm getting ready. It's Christmas time, and so I'll, I have about 37 cakes to bake next week. Oh, wow. Listen, okay, so do you have a website for that, for your catering? I don't. I don't. I do have a Facebook page. It's called One Extraordinary Egg because it's out of my gourmet deviled egg business. Okay. At the end of this episode, everyone, we're going to, so first, remember that Facebook page, and at the end, we're going to talk more about how to get in contact with Pastor Livingston. So you're kind of going into my next question uh, when when you're talking about your book. I wanted to know, where do you see your ministry, your music, and your ministry going in the next 10 years? Well, quite honestly, uh, God has been so good to me. I've been fortunate, as you know, I sang with Orlando Draper and the Associates. And as gifted and as talented as the singers were, because we had amazing, amazing singers, uh, I was blessed to do lead on a song on each of our albums. So that within itself was a miracle. But God has always favored me and given me opportunities on other people's projects. Uh, For instance, I did the lead cut on Pam Armour and the Memphis Shops. Uh, project. Uh, you may have heard it. It's entitled In the Middle of a Miracle. And uh, just other people who, uh, they're another choir here in Memphis. I'm sorry, the name of the choir is me right now, but I did leave vocals on one of their tracks. And as you know, I'm blessed to be a part of Sean Jones and, and company. And so I'm doing That Is You. Or that's his, uh, his latest, which was released in April which I'm really excited about. And on uh, New Year's Day, I'll be doing lead vocals on, uh, from another independent artist here in Memphis, Jeffrey Williams. 
their recording on New Year's Day. But what I hope to do is more of that because wow. I do love it. But I'm hoping to be able to release something myself. All I right. You're oh, overdue, yeah. actually. Yes. You Thank are you. absolutely really... overdue for that. Thank you. So that's really what I desire to do is to release music. But also, uh, like I said, I am in the process of expanding the deliverance counseling. It is much needed. And uh, God gave me to do deliver. He told me after a Bible study early this year, go back to deliverance ministry because that's something that has been a mainstream of my ministry, even when I was in the associates. That was a great area of ministry for me, even in the associates, was deliverance ministry. If we were in a concert and something was going on and it was clear <laughs> deliverance was needed, the choir would literally just turn around and look at me like I had an assignment. You know what I'm saying? So that's major <laughs> to me. So I really do plan to expand that because God really just opened it up. After I did that, he told me, go online and do Deliverance is Deliverance. And I was thinking, we're going to do Deliverance Ministry on Facebook? God, now how do we do that? And he told me wow. what to do. So he do three nights, and that's what I did, three weeks in a row. And after that, a couple of people called me requesting deliverance counseling, and I was trying to figure out who to recommend them to. <laughs> and wow. I kept trying to figure The lady just was not going. She said, well, I know that person, and I like them, but God delivered me from the deliverances delivered on Facebook. I want you. I said, okay. And then God told me, he said, she wants you, and you are the one to do it. As a matter of fact, I have a new Deliverance is Deliverance client starting tonight as a result of that. And so I really am believing God to expand that ministry because so many people are hurting, and so many people don't even know the root of the hurt. Yes. They're just angry. bit of a thing yeah. until you get to the root. That's right. Got to dig up those roots. And so that's major to me. And, of course, now being a pastor is my number one thing in life. I love people, which, of course, um, it, it, that's just major. That souls, people, that's my thing. Yes. yes. Period. And that's, that is so important. And everyone who's listening out there who has dealt with church hurts or any type of betrayal from a loved one or the loss of a loved one, uh, mm-hmm. you, you are tuning in at a divine moment in time because here we have a minister, a pastor, uh, an evangelist of the word of God who has been impregnated with the message of deliverance in love, yes. and that is absolutely godly. Thank you for and answering this call. Well, thank you. Thank you so very much. You know, a lot of people say no. <laughs> you know that. Oh, and I understand. Let me be clear. I do understand. Uh, because now, I actually never thought I would be a deliverance minister. I was raised in the Church of God in Christ, okay? And consequently, my mother was faithful. So we were at all of the services and things of that nature. So I'd watched deliverance ministry all of my life. And yeah. unfortunately... I mean, I'm just being honest. I never thought I would be the one God would use in that area. And that has to do with uh, sometimes being raised in a legalistic system of church that says you have to be this, 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 or that, or you don't qualify. 
You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So consequently, okay. I never, I always saw my sister as the anointed one. And so I never would have expected it to be me. And literally, I got thrown into deliverance ministry. Mm, I was about 27. At that time, I was uh, employed at one of the largest, most uh, powerful churches in the city, Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church. I wasn't a member there, but I was employed there to uh, be the director trainer of their youth choir. They had a very large youth choir. It's one of the largest black churches here in Memphis, okay? Uh, And I was hired there. And in the course of that, I was also working at FedEx full time, but I was teaching the gospel choir of the high school here in Memphis. I was training them. I was the trainer for that choir. And they went to competition, and, of course, they swept the competition, not because I'm I'm all of that, but because God is all of that and because of the gift that he had placed in me. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman, you may have heard of him, uh, Lee, Dr. Leo Davis, was one of the adjudicators for that competition. And he literally accosted me on the parking lot when I was leaving and said, I need you to come to the church with me. I said, excuse me? He said, I've already called Dr. Jackson, that was the pastor at the time, and told him about you, and we want to interview you for a position. I was thinking, I haven't applied for this position. But I went, and but during that time, one of the young ladies from the school that I was training their guy started coming to the rehearsals. And long story short, I she ended up moving into our home. I was still living at home with my mother, Okay. <laughs> She ended up moving into our home, and I ended up in deliverance sessions almost every night for two years. Wow. And I'm talking about deliverance sessions, not a, not a little prayer of, you know, Lord, yeah. touch you, you pray and pray go God. on. Yeah. No, I'm talking about all that. I saw things that I had seen on TV. I saw things that I had seen in, in terms of deliverance ministry, but only far uh, more traumatizing, far more dramatic. It, yeah, if I hadn't experienced it myself, I never would have believed it. Wow, I believe. I, it. And then, people, I didn't tell anybody about a lot of what was going on. But see, when you're thrown into the forays of deliverance ministry, you don't yeah. have time to sit around and cry. You don't have time to sit around and say, "Lord, but I'm not the one." <laughs> no, sir. You use what you've been taught. See, I was raised in holiness. I had sense enough yeah. to know that the scripture has said he had given me power over all the works of the enemy, that whatsoever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever I loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I knew he said, you know, you know, I give you the power. You knew you who know, you were. Yeah. It means harm you. So I had to walk in what I had been taught, although I never thought I would be the one to do it. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to say so, that this. It's so not about me. If you, if I may, I just want to say this: people need to know God is so concerned about you. He will stop mm. the trajectory of a person's life to free you. Mm. Mm. And mm. everybody mm. listening, needs to know, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what you have done. I don't care what has happened to you. How traumatic, how damning it may have been. None of it is greater than. God, and none of it is greater than his love and his will to see you. Yes. Yes. People need to. Yes. Because, of course, I tell you all about my experiences, but what people need to know, God has an experience waiting for you, for you to be free. That's just how much he loves you. 
You know, and I don't think that we hear it enough from our leaders that his plans towards us aren't evil. It's, come on. Come on. Right? But all yes, good. Right. And for an yes, expected he, end. He, yes. Come on. He says, I have that, a plan. I know the thoughts that I think yes. about you. Ooh, good on. and not evil to give you hope and a future and expect it in. Now, this uh, is just hope. his thought. Oh. That gives me good pimples. You do understand. God is so powerful that his thought concerning you is hope and a future and expect it in. I believe he's yes. such a very good that if I can get on the mind of God, I can get free from whatever. Whatever. What, and I now you know what, who is with you. Yes. Even if it was my fault. Whatever. <laughs> That's right. So tell us, what was your childhood like? Because, woof, oh, it's the you got. Now, to be quite honest, I really sometimes think it almost feels like it was unfair how blessed I've been. I was blessed to have been reared in the home of my mother and father together. Yes. My mother. Uh, was a consummate child of God, and I mean it just like I said, she was very faithful. As I stated, we were raised in the Church of God in Christ. We went to Sunday school. My mother was the Sunday school superintendent when I was a little girl. So you were opening things. You were there there. Oh, yeah, we went to Sunday school. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to close this door because my dog getting excited. We went to Sunday school. We went to Sunday morning worship. And like I told you earlier, our church choir was noted. So on any given Sunday, our church choir would have two engagements at 3 o'clock. Mm. We went to both of those. We went back to YPWW and Sunday night service. We had choir rehearsal on Tuesday night, Bible study on Wednesday night. That was the day when if you had a week revival, if it was really good, you were definitely going to go two weeks. If it was yes. super, super, super good, you were going to go three. Well, we went every night, literally. Wow. Yes. And loved it, you know, loved it, yeah. loved it, loved it. Never got it tired. It was your life. My mother, yes. My mother was sick. And so we were raised, you know, being in the choir. You know, we got in the junior choir. As soon as we were old enough, we were in the adult choir. God had blessed my sister and I that we had the ability to teach and to train. So no sooner than we got in the adult choir, we ended up training the adult choir. And like I told you, I went to Overton High School, the School of Performing Arts. And so my high school years were amazing because going to the Creative and Performing Arts School, you know, we took trips, major trips every year. And before that, I was attending an all-black school, but now I was at a school that was basically half black, half white, which expanded me tremendously. I decided then if I had children, I never wanted them to go to an all anything because I saw the difference that that uh, the balance that it brought to the realities of life. And so I had an amazing life. Amazing. Oh, and I went to to high school together. And Orlando became a friend. And I invited him to my church. That's how Orlando started directing. I invited him to my church. Eventually, he joined. When I went off to school, he became the director of the choir because I was the director trainer. When I went off to school, then he became the director trainer. Wow. What's the Real that? history. 
real history you know, and, and a lot of what you talked about your childhood, honestly, I can copy and paste a lot of what wow. you said from about so my parents get- were ministers. Oh, yes. they. My wow. father was one of the head deacons of our church. He used to open the church, and in the wintertime, turn on the heat, you know. But it, okay. So it took a while for it to warm up. So they would say, well, turn on the mics and go turn on this. Y'all kids don't be sitting there because you're, being you're cold and complaining about being cold. So, so they <laughs> yeah, taught us how to open the church, you know. Wow. Wow. So I, I well, we didn't always mean. open it, but we were always first to get there because my mother, that used to irritate us because we always I got hear the church early. No, really, we always got to church 15 minutes early. And we were like, why mm-hmm. we got to go to church and sit there and wait on people to come and open up the church? That was yeah. my mother. <laughs> yep. My mother wasn't the Sunday school superintendent, but she was the assistant. Wow. So she played a huge part, like at Vacation Bible School, which you know oh. we were there every year, every Bible okay. class, every choir rehearsal, every Saints meeting. <laughs> yeah. When the church parking lot needed to be paid, guess who they volunteered? <laughs> oh, wow. All that kind of – so I, I kind of relate to what you're talking about. A lot of people don't understand, and even non-black people who – always wonder if we grew up in single-parent households. And for the most part, I didn't know many single parents. It was always mother and father. No, 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 no. I I absolutely did not. Not coming up. Yes. Now that you're listening, I remember one friend whose whose father wasn't in the home. I remember one, exactly one. Me too? Yeah. And it, it was it was it was a phenomenon. It's like you don't have a father, or you don't. And it's not that you were trying to be insensitive. It was just but, but it just it wasn't was just normal. It was foreign to you. Correct. I used to feel bad for them because now when I would meet people like at school like that, they used to always yeah. be in with the fact that my dad, you know, was there. Right? And that was interesting because that was all I knew. Me too. Me too. I thought, like, this is all I see in my community. I'm surprised you all think that. But anyway, that's a whole different topic <laughs> on race, race relations. Now we're on another of, subject. <laughs> boy, they need to understand. <laughs> so getting back to the interview, <laughs> if you could collaborate with anyone on a project, whom would it be and why? That's a big question. Um there are several, of course, that I would love to, but I think the one that I would most want to collaborate with would be Donald Lawrence. And the reason is okay. he's genius, in my opinion. Yeah. He's absolute genius. But one of the things that I note uh, from his ministry and his choirs, his singers were absolutely impeccable. Yes, they are. Impe- and what I know is that had a lot to do with him. His singers were always super disciplined. Yes, they were. Vocally, they always knew where they wanted to go with the song. And they always what? had an uncanny ability to paint a picture and to draw you in to not just the message of the song, but the feel of the song, everything about yes. the song. 
they had a way. And, and I know that came from some training because, of course, I've been singing all of my life, so I've been around singers all of my life. And so what I noticed was a difference a difference, just such a discipline and a professionalism and a vocal excellence and just an astuteness to actually do it with such artistry that is not common in gospel music. And I just know that from him because not only were his lead singers like that, his vocals were like that. To be honest with you, that's one of the things that I love about Minister Sean Jones is excellence. He does not settle. You know, he does not settle. Yeah. My position on uh, singing is this. A group, to me, is like that specialist, that orthodontist or orthopedic doctor or the cardiologist, as opposed to the general practitioner. In my mind, a choir is your general practitioner of music. I but agree. when you get to those smaller groups, I think that's when you get into the specialist of music ministry. So it should have that level of detail, first of all, education and yes. skill and ability. And that's what I love about Sean Jones. When Minister Jones was, I know you didn't ask me about him, but when Minister Jones. Oh, I love him. You can talk about him anytime. <laughs> his mute was my music director for my church, Manifesting Life Ministries here in Memphis. I never had a concern about the music ministry. I always knew it was going to be excellent. One thing I love about him as a minister of music or a music director, he always prepares, and he pray, he prepares for the unexpected. So when something happens, he's never it. somewhere around scrambling because he's already prepared for something to happen. I love that about Amen. him. And, and so that's why I like being a part of the company, but another reason why I would want to collaborate – Man, if I could just if I could just do one song with Donald Lawrence and have him to executive produce it yeah. and to deal with me vocally it would be in terms of just giving an instruction, oh God, yeah. I can only imagine. It, it would be a smash hit. You know, Donald Lawrence reminds me of, and I don't know, I don't know him. I, it's always one degree of separation. I used to sing background for Fred Hammond and Radical okay. Precise back in the 90s. And with that, I ended up singing for Cece and uh, Whitney Houston. I mean, sorry, not Whitney. Um, Aretha Franklin. And mm-hmm. I said Cece Winans, Aretha Franklin, and Mariah Carey, but all mm-hmm. in choir. And I tell people all the time that I have such respect for choirs and professional choirs and all the hours of rehearsing. Because you're not rehearsing because you can't sing. You're rehearsing to become one sound. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that. You're creating a sound. Yes. And from your diction, your vibrato, how, your dynamics, and how everything is one sound. And that is what I learned during my time there. And I have always said about Donald Lawrence uh, that he reminds me of, Thomas Whitfield, Reverend Thomas Whitfield, and the time. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's the to me. That's what he he took. What because you know the Tommies were everything in the it, during well, that period in the eighties and nineties. That was Orlando's number one mentor. He actually used to go and direct for Thomas Whitfield. He actually went with Thomas overseas to direct for him. So of course oh. we had it was it was an option. <laughs> That that would have been a dream come true. 
yeah. to do that. Of course, yeah. I was a teenager then, but that was that was what I learned from. And and you all were imprinting your techniques and your discipline on me. So that way, just a few years later, I end up auditioning and singing for Fred and, and opening, you know, that whole different life. So I, thank you for talking about Donald Lawrence and that sound because I totally get what you're talking about, what he does. Absolutely. Of course, second would be Kirk Carr because I think he's genius oh. as well. He's genius yes, as he well. Is. And re- really, if I could take three, it would be Donald Lawrence, Kirk Carr, and Richard Smallwood. I was gonna say Richard Smallwood. That's so funny. Yes, you can't you can't name the other two without Richard Smallwood. Now, like Richard, I was blessed to uh, at that church. I told you I was hired <laughs> hired to work at uh, one of the uh, ladies, a premier well known uh, woman here in the city, was a member of Mississippi Boulevard, and she was over the Black Family Reunion here in Memphis. And she asked me, invited me to be over the gospel portion of it that year. And Richard Smallwood was the guest artist. So that was just amazing. And then one other time he came to Memphis for something. I don't remember what it was. And I had the privilege and the honor of being one of the background vocalists with him. So that was one of the greatest highlights of my life. Wow. Wow. That's why I call you a living legend. You have worked (laughs) with some of gospel music's uh, architects, really, of uh, the modern sound of gospel. Because people don't understand that in the 80s and 90s, what you all were singing were contemporary gospel. That was contemporary. That was the cutting edge. In the minds of the people. Now we we went through it for uh, who God had called Olanda Draper and the associates oh, to be, and the things that we did were so mild to what's going on now. I mean, we were talked about for wearing sequin dresses. We were the first choir to wear sequin dresses. Yes, and you all the pushback. I remember pastors, you know, kind of putting that in their sermons. You know, yes, about, about the, you know, they so said y'all were famous. The- they said we were dancing, and we never moved out of the spot we were standing in. <laughs> exactly. But I exactly. remember, course, being raised in holiness, you know, you hear so much. And so what I did as a member, I prayed about the different things that we did in terms of the movement and all of that because I wanted yes. to know the heart of God. And what God yes. said to me, he said, the key is in your intent and your heart. Come on. That's what he said he, he said, judges, didn't he? what you do as unto the Lord, that's what separates it from being carnal and sinful and being holy and reverential. It's the intent of your heart. Keep your heart. See, if you're doing a lot of movement to be seen, if you're doing a lot of movement to show certain parts of your body, well, it's out of order. It's out of order. You preach and do that. You understand what I'm saying? It's all about the intent of your heart. And and again, acknowledging God in all your ways and letting him direct your path. Amen. You know, I remember talking to Fred Hammond about this particular thing about dancing and the different bishops that were calling upon you, you, you know, and criticizing and saying different things. And out of all that criticism, he ended up writing that song, "Dance Like David." In the spirit oh, of the Lord. He ended up writing that song out of in response. It's like if David danced out of his clothes, why y'all got anything to say about why y'all tripping? 
Why y'all thinking? Why <laughs> I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but during the season of that song coming out, you know, the Stellars every year is the premier gospel award show. And that year, um, Steve Harvey was the host. And when he introduced Fred Hammond, he said, now let me tell you, this is not your mama's gospel. That's right. And he said, because any time in the midst of your song, you say, let's kick some devil butt. This is not your mama's gospel. That's right. And Fred Hampton did some music from that CD that particular night. Yeah, well, you know, out of criticism, people think that they're, they're trying to tear you down or what have you, and what they end up doing is inspiring you to become and, the mouthpiece. They promote there you because some people who were never promote listening you. or paying attention then go and check you out. That's right. <laughs> they end up becoming your footstool. <laughs> even yep, yep. Exactly. So what would you say is your greatest passion and conviction? Souls. All souls matter. And the greatness cool. of God exists. Every person. Really, I really am a people person, but that's what I was created for. My hope in life, God made this clear, it's not one I chose, is to build people of praise, power, and purpose. And one of the ways in which God has given me to do it is to speak to the greatness of God inside of people. So many people don't have a clue that God's very greatness, not light, but his very greatness exists within them. And see, when you live apart from that knowledge, then you live beneath your privilege. And, you know, but if you can just come in contact with the truth of it, you don't even have to understand it, but just come in contact with the truth of it, it changes everything. And so that's my passion, really, for people to know that the greatness of God exists in them all because he loves them like that. When God created man, when he said, and breathed a part of himself into mankind. It was because he loves mankind. And the devil in hell knows the greatness of God is in mankind. That's why he fights us tooth and nail from the day you're born to convince you that you're anything but great, anything other than worthy, anything other than love, because he knows the greatness of God is so great towards you that if you ever, and I do mean ever figure it out, there will be no stopping you. Yes. Listen, everyone who's listening, we are pre-taping this interview, I think, about 24, 48 hours after uh, DJ Twitch uh, committed suicide. And, you know, it's on, I believe, on the back of of Pastor Livingston's mind. Um, Absolutely. And it's been in my mind as well. So if you hear that the interview is going towards the worth of your life and the worth of your soul. And as Pastor Livingston just said in such an eloquent eloquent way, is that all souls matter. They all matter to God. Your life matters. And it's just just a powerful message. It gave me goosebumps. I agree with you. And, of course, we pray for the family of uh, the gentleman who took his life. But quite honestly, if you were to have this conversation with me on any given day, this is where I'm going because this is what I live for. 
It yeah. really is. I know it because it's not something I chose. God yeah. told me if anyone has a conversation with you for 15 minutes and does not go away feeling like they have literally had bricks added to their life in them being built up, then in that moment you were not what you were created for. He literally told yeah. me that. Amen. And so Amen. that's why it's my well, this is divine timing, and I know most people live their lives, and they either struggle in their lives, they, you know, get through day to day, but it, when things like this happen, it, it is a painful reminder that yes, past, people like Pastor Livingston is here for us every day, because it's not just the wintertime or the holiday season <laughs> that gets dark for people. People, right, they live with anxiety, depression every day of the year. year. As African Americans, to deal with police brutality, that never never stops. They never take a day off. Well, just seeing it. Seeing it is Yes, just seeing it. Just seeing it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. If I may speak that. Because I I know God is bigger than me. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than our conversation. And his love is greater than anything. So in the name of Jesus, I just believe God even now to draw the right person to this conversation to receive the truth and to be made free by it in Jesus' name. Be delivered from depression. Be delivered from oppression. Be delivered from worthless. Be delivered from shame and guilt. In the name of Jesus, I come against every work of the enemy. That person who's listening now, and the enemy made his life mission to bring you into a place of guilt, shame, and condemnation where he decided you would never be free. In the name of Jesus, I declare and decree that he is alive. His powers are broken. We ah, uh, we rebuke, annul, and disavow his plot his plans, and his ploys even now in Jesus' name. And we command him to drop his weapons and flee and go back to your father empty-handed in the name of Jesus. And we release the spirit of love, power, soundness of mind to minister to you now right where you are. And God, in Jesus' name, I thank you that it is so. And I thank you, my brother, for giving me this opportunity to be a conduit of his grace. Amen. No, I had to put the phone on mute every month for a moment because I had to go in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Absolutely. In the name of Jesus, yes. So before we end this interview, because I know we're about to wrap it up, what do you want people to know most about your music and your ministry? If God decided to take you on today, which we know you've got more work to do, so he's not thinking about that. But what do you you want people to know most about your ministry and your your music? Well, I know it sounds cliche, but but for me, it's the truth. It really is all about Jesus. And because it's all about Jesus, to be quite honest, it's really all about you, the listener, because God is always concerned about souls at the end of the day. Since the beginning, that's what God has been seeing about us. And he has not changed his mind. 
So every song for me is about you knowing God, knowing his love, knowing his greatness. And when I say you, I'm talking to the person who goes to church, the person who doesn't go to church. I'm talking about the person who is straight. I'm talking about the person who is gay. I'm talking about the person who is crooked. I'm talking about the person who is kind, the person is who is evil, because all souls matter. God so loved the world, and there is no person left outside of the world. So that's what I want people to know. That's what my ministry is about. That's how I'm, I'm talking to you now. It's not to make my name great. What I know is God has put something in me that he's designed to use as a conduit of his grace and love. So talking to you today is about getting his grace, his love, his power, his deliverance, his healing to people who haven't experienced it up to this point. But I declare and decree it's happening even now for them in Jesus' name because I am a kingdom citizen and I legislated by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. That's what you need to know. And this is absolutely true. I have never heard it said quite like that. If I'm all about Jesus, then clearly that makes me all about you. Wow. Now, here you say it makes me hear it differently, even when you said it. That's the whole sermon. It I is. heard it differently when you repeated it. <laughs> oh, man, that's what I picked up. That's it. Everyone, if you don't take anything back from this conversation, take that back. That's Pastor right. Livingston it's is all about Jesus. About it makes you. her all about you. <laughs> so, Pastor Livingston, tell everyone how they can find you on social media. Okay, you can find me on Facebook as Sherry Livingston, and my personal ministry, which is a separate page, which is I Speak Life Ministries. Uh, I do a Winning Word Wednesday live every Wednesday at 10 on I Speak Life Ministries Facebook page. Then my church Facebook page is Manifesting Life Ministries Church International. We're live there every Sunday at 10 a.m. And as well, you can find me on, um, what is it, Instagram. And um, what's the other one? Twitter. Yes, and you can find me at Sherry Livingston as well as I Speak Life Ministries. Also, of course, my gourmet double egg business is One Extraordinary Egg on Facebook. All right. Everyone, please stay tuned. What we're going to do, as you know, uh, this interview is not only going to air on Bulletin Flight Radio, but Bulletin Flight's podcast station as well. So for all of those who may miss the interview live, you can download the interview for free. Um, This interview is going to also be playing during our Christmas season. I was going to do this. We were going to (laughs) wait for season two and start doing season two, but I think that this is very important uh, for folks to hear uh, this month of December and going into 2023 for sure. So everyone, stay. I'm sorry, go ahead. I I just said thank you. If I may, I forgot to give you my email address. Is S is in Sam, G is in girl, L is in Larry Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, at gmail.com. Well, amen. And all of those <laughs> individuals who would like uh, counseling, to set up counseling, seek those services, or for prayer requests, 
please be sure to email Pastor Livingston right Amen. away. Amen. Amen. So right after this quick commercial break, we are going to hear some of Pastor Livingston's greatest hits down through the years. So everyone keep it locked right here. You know this is your story on our station. 